Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome to the show. We have a great one today. A few things I have to say first. Next week, first 15 minutes of the show, Valerie Jarrett is on, senior advisor that I'm sure you've seen on CNN, everywhere, who, of course, is affiliated with President Obama. So make sure next Tuesday, first 15 minutes. Then I have to say hello to Yoshiko Dart, who I love so much. Uh, Yoshiko, I'm thinking about you all the time, and Justin, so I just wanted to send out my love to you. Now, we have a great guest today who I believe is very well known in the disability community. Um, So when I talk about her, I know you're going to say, oh, yeah, I know who that is, and that would be the Diversity and Inclusion Officer at Walgreen, Deb Russell. Deb, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Joyce. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, surely your work and the work of Walgreen is, I think, in the area of employment known everywhere for what you have accomplished, which is, to me, unbelievable. Um, But I thought I would start by you telling our listeners when and why you became involved in the disability community. Well, it it actually started out at a, a relatively young age when I was in college, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I wanted to do something related to people and ended up majoring in special education and uh, straight out of college got a job teaching special education and really found how frustrating that experience was. It didn't seem like the system was set up uh, for success for my students. No matter what I was doing in the the classroom, the, the most hope that people had was for some of my students to go to a sheltered workshop, and that just didn't seem right with me. I wanted to um, see my students be able to to go on and do more, and I wanted to see a system that believed um, and supported them in doing more. So, you know, when you first get out of college and you're not happy with your job, the one thing you do is you go to graduate school. So I went off to graduate school and got a master's degree in rehabilitation counseling, and that experience allowed me to get to know a lot of people with disabilities, a lot of people with different kinds of disabilities who had different um, aspirations and skill sets and desires, uh, and that really opened up uh, my eyes to what kinds of possibilities could be out there. So from there, I went um, and worked in a a variety of roles, supporting people with disabilities in in getting jobs and being successful employment. I was a job coach. I was a job developer. I um, was a, a assistant administrator of a program designed to help people with mental illness um, move on into employment. 
and um, that all of that work was great, but it was always helping an individual or a couple of individuals um, to be successful in employment. And um, I also uh, didn't find that as, as satisfying as I had hoped. And so I then moved into jobs where I was working on systems change with the state's Medicaid system or with the Social Security system or the other systems that touch people with disabilities and really do influence um, or can impact their ability to be successful in employment. And it was through that systems work that I found a lot more uh, satisfaction in, in realizing that what I was doing could could make a difference and, and influence the success of people in the long term. So uh, the, the systems jobs led me to Walgreens, which is um, a fantastic company, but at the same time, uh, just a whole bunch of different systems that I can work to improve and, and help um, shape so that we can ensure that um, what we're doing at Walgreens uh, is inclusive of people with disabilities. And um, on top of all those professional experiences, I also, along the way, gathered a lot of friends uh, with disabilities and coworkers with disabilities, which helped things. And then finally, of course, um, learning to manage my depression and, and um, maintain my employment and my success in employment while um, managing that, you know, really rounded out my experience of why I want to continue to work in this area. Well, Deb, as a person with a disability, and may I say I commend you because just like me living with epilepsy, you know, people frequently don't want to talk about their disability, but I tell them why. I'm not ashamed. It's just part of who I am, and we do have a culture of people. So I can see why you've moved into a leadership role, not only with your background, but with your insight and your passion. And I know you are making a difference in the lives of many people, so I commend you for that. Um, here, I want to talk about Walgreen because they are so outstanding what they're doing, but, you know, I want to make sure all of our listeners across the country know about Walgreen, the size, the products, and what you, well, you've already told us what you do, but <clears throat> if you want to give us a little more detail, that would be fine too. Sure. Um, and, you know, it is funny, every once in a while as I'm traveling around the country, I do find people who don't know what Walgreens is. So um, having grown up in the Midwest, Walgreens is uh, headquartered here. And so, of course, um, my experience growing up was to be well exposed to Walgreens and, and Walgreens stores. But there are some people who aren't aware of what our company does as well as our company has um, evolved through merger and acquisitions into some other disciplines. So Walgreens is a retail pharmacy, um, first and foremost. That's our, the basis of what we started in and um, really what has continued to um, move us forward, uh, we are in uh, almost, we have almost 8,000 stores. We're at 7,944 drugstores today uh, across all 50 states and uh, Washington, D.C., as well as Puerto Rico. But we've also been engaging in the last decade or so in um, health services. So we have, uh, through some acquisitions and other activity, really expanded the opportunity to provide health services to people across the country as well, not just through the uh, pharmaceuticals that come through our retail drugstores, but also through uh, respiratory and infusion services, other kinds of healthcare services. Uh, we have healthcare clinics in 700 different locations across the country. So we've um, really kind of expanded in our goal is to be the the most convenient uh, destination for health and wellness services and advice in all of the communities across America. We serve about 6 million customers a day, and uh, last year we had $72 billion in sales, so that hopefully gives people an idea of the scope of the company. We have two, almost a quarter of a million employees, so we're a very large company. Um, we are 
uh, above the Fortune 40 list. I forget exactly where we sit on there, but um, we're a very large company, and we've been around since 1901. So we have a lot of history as well as a lot of size. My role within the company has always been to focus on our inclusion of people with disabilities, uh, starting with where we um, began our specific efforts in this area, which was our distribution centers, and specifically with uh, South Carolina, Anderson, South Carolina, and then expanding that um, that initiative and that what we've learned and how to do this better, expanding that across all of our business enterprise. So with the distribution centers, I was working on very specifically building the model, and since then it's been much more uh, global work on how do we take what we've learned in those settings and apply them into all the different kinds of employment settings that exist within Walgreens. Although our, our business primarily is uh, retail drug, we also, of course, employ people in all sorts of capacities. And so when you're talking about disability inclusion in our workforce, we need to be um, mindful of, of where that impacts everything and, and all types of jobs. So IT, accounting, janitors, um, mailroom, printing services, advertising, marketing, merchandising, finance. You get into every every domain, uh, we've got people employed in those capacities here, and so we need to make sure that my job is to make sure that what we're doing um, is in, is as inclusive of people with disabilities. And then, as I mentioned, also looking at it from the customer perspective. Right. <clears throat> I can't believe how large you've become. <clears throat> Where I live, which is in Pittsburgh, but I live out west toward the airport, and I know that we just they just uh, opened a Walgreen only about 10 minutes from uh, where I live. And I have always been impressed with the amount of products you include in so many different areas. Um, so, you know, I think that I'm sure many people do not know about Walgreen. I had someone ask me once, you know, if they were a grocery chain. I said, no, <laughs> not yet. No, right now they're in uh, pharmaceuticals, but um, you need to know them. And, and right now, if you're listening to the show, you really do need to know Walgreen because my opinion is this. If you are working to employ and help Americans with disabilities, that is who we, people with disabilities, should be giving our business to. Remember, there are only a handful doing this, which is so terrible to say. But it's one thing saying, oh, I think this is a good idea. It's another thing doing it, you know, providing employment. So keep that in mind because it could be your son or daughter. It could be your mother, father. It could be your brother, sister. It could be your husband, wife, partner, anyone. But if you have someone with a disability in your family, Remember, this is someone that is giving back and doing something about it. And, uh, Deb, I don't know, they probably do talk about this at uh, many of the conferences and groups you're involved with, which we'll talk about later. But, you know, aren't most people, well, I guess most people aren't, but a lot of the people of businesses you're affiliated, don't they real, recognize that, that there's like a lot of money to be spent from the disability community, I, I think that there there are. It's you know that that whole business case towards the the consumer power and the the discretionary income of people with disabilities and people who care about people with disabilities because you add those people all up and you get a lot a lot of dollars a lot of spending power all all grouped together. It's funny because Walgreens didn't start out doing this because uh, for those kinds of reasons. However, um, along the way. 
there are many companies out there that do need that sort of um, logic put behind the model and um, help them frame why they want to do this and, and why, you know, it's not just a nice thing to do, but this truly is about, you know, the economic engine of, of America and uh, the spending power of consumers and where consumers choose to spend their money. And uh, our affiliation with um, people with disabilities and, and our desires and our success in employing people with disabilities really uh, surprised us when we were had our first national piece of media done uh, on what we were doing in South Carolina and the onslaught of comments that we received from people across the country saying, I had no idea Walgreens was doing this, but from now on I'm going to shop in Walgreens stores. That was a true eye-opener for us. It hadn't occurred to us that that was an angle we should be pursuing. However, um, I am aware that uh, there are a lot of companies out there that do a lot of very focused, targeted marketing and are interested in in the behaviors and, and desires of their market segments, and so that it becomes a very significant part of the, the business case. I think it's ironic that uh, when Walgreens started doing this, that just wasn't something we did, but it wasn't part of our culture for marketing towards any particular group, so it just wasn't something that um, came across our environment uh, as a reason to do this, but since then has been, you know, another great reason for why the company wants to continue in this area. Um, everybody's touched by disability in this country. It's, it's hard not to be um, when one in five Americans have a disability, and so that uh, that association and that affinity, affinity with people with disabilities does really resonate uh, as people are, are taking their hard-earned dollars and deciding where they're going to spend them. Amen to that, and you heard me now. Go to Walgreens. Right now, we're going to get ready to go to break. If you just joined us, we are talking to Deb Russell, Diversity and Inclusion Officer at Walgreens Company and an advocate for the employment of Americans with disabilities. You are listening to Joyce Bender on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Deb. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Hoffman Connection for inspiration, a life of passion and purpose. Hosts Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon will bring you ways to remove the blocks in your life that are holding you back. Along with their guest experts, Raz and Ed will use their experience and expertise to help you learn to get closer to what matters to you most. And by doing so, improve your life and the lives of others. The Hoffman Connection can be heard live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. 
One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. We are today talking to Deb Russell. Diversity and Inclusion Officer at Walgreen and a leader in the disability area in the area of employment of people with disabilities. Now, Deb, I know and a lot of our listeners know that since 2006, Walgreen, you have just all been a superstar employer on employment. I can't begin to tell you how many places I go where people will say, Wow, Joyce, I know what you do. I bet you know about Walgreen. I mean, I can't begin to tell you how many times I hear about Walgreen, which, you know, again, great. Again, sad that they would be talking about only a few of us. But you definitely have made an impact. Now, my question is, how did this all start? Well, and I appreciate how you couched that because I feel like all I do is talk about what Walgreens is doing and, and yet um, constantly are in, in situations where people say, well, why isn't Walgreens talking about doing this? I've never heard about this before. So any opportunity like this one to talk about it um, and help um, people, more people understand what we're doing and why we're doing it really uh, is a great opportunity. So we started this initiative um, with the vision of a leader. Uh, Randy Lewis is our senior vice president, and he has a son with autism. Um, and he started thinking about the impact um, that his disability would have on his son's future and his son's future ability to get a job and the peers, his son's peers, what was going to happen to them when they exited the school systems and was the job market ready for them and were they ready to compete in the job market. And as these thoughts continued with him, he, he realized, well, he had an opportunity to make a difference. And at the time at Walgreens, we were just about to embark on a very large new capital investment project on um, creating uh, new models of distribution centers where we would be able to be more efficient and cost-effective for the company. Randy's role at the time was the senior vice president of supply chain and logistics, so this is an area where he had a lot of authority and control. And he went to the board of directors and, and presented the project to them and said, you know, this is what we're going to do and this is why we need the investment from from the company, and uh, they had two questions. One was, uh, is this, are these buildings going to uh, save us money and, you know, do better for our customers? And the answer was yes. And then they said, and um, the people with disabilities that are going to be working there, are, are they going to make our buildings better? And he said yes, and that was it. We went forward with the plans, um, designing these centers and at the same time being very thoughtful about how do we ensure that these distribution centers, massive distribution centers that employ uh, close to a thousand people, how can we ensure that they're going to be inclusive of people with disabilities? And we 
initiated relationships with agencies that serve people with disabilities to help us along the way. It wasn't certainly the, anything that Walgreens was able to do on our own. No matter how fantastic I am as an employee of Walgreens, there was no way I would have been able to create this on my own. We needed a lot of help from our partners, uh, experts in disability. We got some help from ODEP and also um, from, from the local areas, um, the agencies in the area of Anderson, South Carolina, who led us down the path of helping us realize what do we need to change internally? What do we need to do differently to be a better employer of people with disabilities? And then they also helped us to find the workforce that we were looking for. So we had all this help and all these plans, but the crux of everything we were doing revolved around the fact that if we were going to be doing this, we needed to do it in a way that was responsible to our shareholders and to our customers and to our company's leadership and our board of directors and everyone else involved. It needed to be fair. We couldn't just bring people with disabilities in because that was a nice thing to do. They had to fit within the, the context that all the rest of our employees fit in, which is to um, ensure that we're being responsible and, and making the best use of our resources. So that um, that part of it was, I think, the harder part of it, making sure that everything that we did was within the, the business case of employing people with disabilities and also thinking about long-term, as we scale this to the rest of the division or to the rest of the company or to other companies in America, we need to make decisions around the idea that what we're doing could be considered precedent-setting. And so it was very important for us as we were designing this and really looking at this from a vision standpoint to also make sure that we had the end in mind, which was um, something that was going to be replicable and sustainable and something that we could continue to talk about and um, press on. But the other part of it that I think was also really exciting was that we didn't need to have all the answers in the beginning. Uh, that was the, one of the most appealing aspects of this job to me when I joined Walgreens in 2006 was that we were willing to learn how to do this, to figure it out as we went, and to make sure that we did the best job we could as an employer and that as time moved on that that would be evolving so that um, we still don't feel like we're done. We certainly aren't done. We've learned a lot and we've, we feel we've mastered some things in, the, in relation to employing people with disabilities, but it's been challenging and uh, as times change and the economy changes and America changes, uh, we need to be able to make sure that our efforts evolve as well and can continue to fit within those those parameters that we're ensuring that we're meeting the business case and at the same time expanding at every chance we have the opportunities we can provide to people with disabilities. And Randy's vision really did center around people with significant disabilities. Um, he, it was important to him that what we were trying to accomplish would be around people that we weren't typically employing now. So recognizing, obviously, that we have a lot of people with disabilities in our workforce already and that Walgreens as an employer has employed people with disabilities on purpose and accidentally for a very long time. In fact, back when I was a job developer, I did go into Walgreens stores and, and develop opportunities for the people I was serving uh, with those store managers to make sure that the clients I was serving at the time uh, could, could get a job at Walgreens. So being on this side of things and working for Walgreens in that, um, you know, we, we just really needed to work hard on those, on those areas and make sure that we were, what we were doing was going to work for us uh, as well as for others. Well, you know, we have a question for you from uh, Linda in Missouri. And the question is, first of all, I applaud you and Walgreens for what you are doing. Too bad others are doing the same. My actual question is, how difficult was it to get people on board to hire people with disabilities? 
Well, and thank you, Linda, for the question. It it wasn't that hard. Uh, you know, the first couple of people, it was more of a, a jump of faith for us. Uh, we had a, a great group of managers down in Anderson, South Carolina, and when they were hired, they knew that part of the mission of that building was not just to be the most efficient uh, distribution center for Walgreens, but to also have one-third of the workforce be people with disabilities in that uh, in that facility. So our managers came on board knowing what, what we were planning, and we provided some training and, and those sorts of things. But the best experience we could provide them was to take them to another place of employment, another employer who was actively employing people with disabilities. And so we took a road trip and visited another company, Habitat, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, to see, literally to see people with disabilities, significant disabilities, working in a a fast-paced production environment, because that's very similar to the kinds of metrics that we use in our environment. When we came back from that, we talked to our managers for a while about what did you see, what did you experience. You know, it was a, a gift for us that the building took a while to construct, and so we had managers around and, and could have enter dialogue with them about their concerns and their fears around this area. So the convincing wasn't that hard because we had we took them at some place and showed them that this is this is possible. And then as we were um, bringing people with disabilities on board and and ramping up the activities of that building. Our managers continued to see people with disabilities being successful. And I, I don't want to be Pollyanna-ish about this. Not everybody with a disability is successful in our work environment. I mean, not everybody without a disability is successful in our work environment. It's very fast-paced work. You're on your feet all day long. Uh, the metrics are tough. The uh, equipment and the processes are, are engineered to be as fast as possible, and so the humans have to keep up with that. And um, so I think our managers were very um, pleasantly surprised that people with disabilities could do the jobs as well as people without disabilities, but I think they also were very impressed with the fact that when a person, whether they have a disability or not, was not successful and we had provided every support we could, that those were individuals who didn't end up staying with us um, because they didn't um, fit in with our employment requirements at our building. And sometimes we get criticism about that, but, um, you know, for Walgreens, this is about employing people who just happen to have disabilities. It's not about the disability first. And that, um, that I think, really helps our managers realize that we're not doing this just to be nice. Again, it's not a charitable act. This is something that's going to help our business continue to grow and to be successful and um, this is just how people with disabilities fit into that. And since then, we've just continued to bring people to where we're already successfully doing this. So when our Anderson, South Carolina facility uh, was about six months old, we brought all of our distribution center managers there to see people with disabilities, people with obvious disabilities. They could go on the floor and they could talk to people um, and learn about those individuals as employees as well as people with disabilities and see that they can be successful in our environment. They took that back to their buildings and started their own efforts. And the division, the distribution divisions, created a goal of their own that by the year 2010 they wanted to have 1,000 people with disabilities in the workforce, and that would reflect about 10% of the workforce of that entire division. So they had pretty um, pretty high-set goals and, and uh, were, were very successful in achieving them. But not only did we want to be able to impress this upon the rest of our distribution managers, we also wanted to teach others in our company as well as outside of our company. So when people are hesitant about this, we always say, come and see it. Come and see the experience. Um, We've had over 100 different companies now tour our distribution centers to have the opportunity to see for themselves people with disabilities, people with obvious and significant disabilities, side by side in the same jobs, being held to the same metrics, um, providing the same level of performance, 
in our in our work environment and and when you get to see that and experience it um through a tour of our building it's very easy for those companies to then go back to their own facilities and their own corporate offices and their own project design teams and say this is something that we can do as well and so um you know some managers are hesitant when we took this initiative and and uh developed a model for our stores to be able to do this um we did get a little bit of pushback of well that's fine in the DCs, but we have very different kinds of jobs here in the stores. And we just needed a few opportunities for success, and then we're able to take that success and demonstrate it to the rest of the managers out there. Um, and now we have managers just clamoring for the opportunity to to include people with disabilities into their workforce in the stores as well as everywhere else in the company. Wow. And you know a couple of things you said that I love, Dip. Number one, no pity. And you know, folks, pity's like racism. It only leads to one thing, unemployment. That is so critically important. And the second thing you said is you're just hiring people. You know, folks, we are human beings. It's not like we're aliens somewhere. Just hire us, period, as they are at Walgreens. And with that, we've got to get ready to go to break. We're talking to Deb Russell from Walgreens, and we want to talk to her more, and we will as soon as we come back from break. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to energy medicine and optimal health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And hey, welcome back to the show. We're with Deb Russell talking about the great things they've done at Walgreens, and it is unbelievable and great. And here we have one of the leaders on the phone with us, which is so great for us. But before we ask the next question, we're going to go with a Sam from Florida, and here's his question. 
Um, it's amazing to me what you've accomplished at Walgreens. It really is. My question for you is, why aren't other people doing this? Wow, great question. Um, I'm not sure of the answer um, because we are doing it, so it's, it's hard to say why others aren't. I know that um, there are a lot of Americans um, and people in American businesses that have a lot of myths about people with disabilities. They just don't quite understand um, people with disabilities have capabilities. They've uh, maybe they've been influenced by some of the media that really does um, portray people with disabilities either as these superhuman um, individuals to be so inspired by that nobody could ever you know really live up to that, or you know else a lot of the media portrays people with disabilities as really. Um, you know, downtrodden and, you know, not been given the, the appropriate opportunities that they should have been given. And so I think that that, that um, unfamiliarity with people with disabilities, being successful in the workplace is, um, is just uh, unfortunately a part of our society still today. I, I hope that um, very soon we can change that conversation. But we, uh, we often come across uh, parents and teachers of, of young people with disabilities who don't see that future for them yet. Don't don't expect that these young people with disabilities are going to grow up to have jobs and be successful in America, or or to you know have the economic ability to go out and spend their money wherever they want to. I think that there are a lot of Americans just they haven't had that experience with a person with a disability yet, so they just don't realize that this potential already exists. And so it seems like this myth or this mystery. Uh, I think that that's part of it. We do get at Walgreens uh, when we're bringing other companies through. We get questions about safety in the workplace, and it, sometimes it, it boggles me that these are questions we're still answering. But I have to realize that every time we're bringing a company through, it's a new company, and, and they, they they need time to learn and, and to be. Ex- exposed to everything. So we finally published some data on uh, the safety rates of, of people with disabilities in our buildings and, and the realities of that. And I'm certainly not going to say people with disabilities have never had a safety incident in our building because that's not true. However, you know, looking at the statistics on how fast people with disabilities come back to work after a safety incident or, or the, the average cost, which for our employees with disabilities is much lower than our, for our employees without disabilities. And that's comparing similar positions to similar positions. It's not just comparing somebody who never has experience with forklift to those who spend all their time, you know, up doing maintenance on cranes. We're, we're making sure that when we look at that data and are able to say this boldly, that uh, we, are, uh, we are very confident in the safety rates and um, safety experience with, with our employees with disabilities. But that's a question we do get a lot from employers, and we continue to answer truthfully with, uh, with the information we've got to help break down some of those myths. But the other thing that we also hear a lot from other companies is, you know, they just they don't believe that people with disabilities are as productive as people without disabilities. And I think that's something that we'll be shouting from the rooftops for quite a while to say, you know, again, it's not every person with a disability that's successful in our workplace. So part of our story is talking about when we do go through a process of, of separating from an employee. And that's a very unfortunate thing to describe, but it does help um, the, the other companies in America that haven't discovered this yet feel a little more confident about the fact that um, they can, you know, dip their toes into this lake and see what it's like and at the same time realize that they're not going to be stuck with something. That just seems to be a perception that a lot of companies have still is that if they're employ a person with a disability, they're going to be stuck with someone. And that, that very negative connotation uh, really does uh, influence their opportunities to be able to move forward and, and just give it a try. We also find companies 
um, who seem to feel like they need to know all of the answers before they get started. And uh, we spend a lot of time talking about the lessons we've learned and the adventure we've been on in learning those lessons. This, when I talk about our efforts, it's, it's, I try very hard to always say this is an evolution. We certainly don't have all the answers because we don't even know what some of the questions are yet, but that's not holding us back from being able to continue in these efforts and to continue to encourage other companies to do this. But I know the reality of America right now, and that is that uh, we are a rarity, uh, a company like of our size and with our, um, you know, public-facing side, the stores, as well as the rest of the engine of Walgreens that keeps us going. That's a lot of um, a lot of stress and opportunity to, at the same time to be able to show people with disabilities can do these jobs. People without disabilities can do these jobs. It's just a matter of making sure that you've got the skills and the training, and you're matching that between what the jobs require. And that's it's a very simple simplistic view, but at the same time, it's just helping companies realize that this is just the same thing. When we're talking about hiring a person with a disability, we're talking about a hiring a person. And as you do with all hires, you want to make sure somebody's going to be successful. And you do you might do that differently with a person with a disability than a person without a disability. And primarily that's because the person with the disability hasn't had any other opportunities to show you that they can be successful before. And so it can be a little bit of a different process. At Walgreens in our distribution centers, we actually bring um, some people with disabilities who have never had a job opportunity before, we bring them in and do on-the-job training, and it's an on-the-job trial at the same time where they have the opportunity to show us that they can do this job. And in the process of doing that, we're eliminating them having to go through the application and the interview where we would just ask them to describe to us how well they could do the job. This is their chance to really be able to demonstrate to us in the best way that they can that this is, is, is something that's worth um, worth it to us to, to, to move forward with. And so um, I think that the, all of those, all those things um, are, are things that other companies struggle with, and, and, and they're learning. I cannot tell you how exciting it's been to watch other companies embrace this and start it and get it going. And everybody wants to start, you know, just how do you eat an elephant? Eat one bite at a time. So you start just by taking one bite and trying this in one place and trying it with one job or one place or one person, and then you build on that. And if you aren't successful with that one job, that one place, or that one person, you don't give up. You just try again and see what do we need to do better or differently um, to make this successful. So I'm going to take Deb on the road with me. (laughs) Let me just say I agree with everything you've said And I want to just highlight one thing. Just like Walgreen, Bender is a for-profit company, not a not-for-profit, not a charity, and we are all about work ethics here. But in all those years since I started the company, and thank goodness it's only been a few, but, you know, we have terminated people. And if you are a company that would say, well, we're not going to, then really you shouldn't hire people with disabilities because you aren't giving them your best as you would other people. And Tony Quello, my mentor, has a saying I love, and that is, give us the right to be fired. And you know we don't want to be fired, but you know what he means. Hire us. Treat us equally. You know, if you don't treat people equally, as I said, They aren't going to learn anything, and when they do lose their job, they'll lose the next job. You have to treat them as you would any other person because you cannot lower the bar. 
You cannot lower that bar. Just as Deb talked about earlier when she was teaching, I have to tell you that in many high schools, sadly, they do lower the bar, and that helps doesn't help anyone. Every treatment should be the same. You have to treat people the same. You, if you do terminate someone with a disability, you're not going to hell. You've got to be able to treat everyone the same, or it will not work. Now, Deb, you already talked about how Walgreens has impacted other companies in employing people with disabilities, but I want to talk about something else now. I want to talk about the United States Business Leadership Network that you chair. You are the chair of the board. So let's start by you telling our listeners what USBLN is. I would be delighted to talk about the USBLN, and it's it's hard for me to um, – it's going to sound just like talking about Walgreens because the USBLN, the Business Leadership Network, it's a membership organization that focuses on for-profit companies and their practices related to people with disabilities in their workplace, their marketplace, and their supply chain. So just as I was describing my job at Walgreens where I look at not just our employment of people with disabilities but our customers – um, with disabilities, the USBLN has that three-pronged view um, of how businesses interact with people with disabilities. And the USBLN has been around for quite a while. Tony Coelho is one of our wonderful founders. And, um, you know, it's it's a group that's young, but at the same time very exciting to be involved with. I've been on the board now for four years and um, so proud to be the chair of, of this fantastic organization that is truly business-focused. We spend our time and invest our resources in ensuring that we can help the members, the companies who are our members, learn how to be better at employing people with disabilities, looking at people with disabilities as their new marketplace, and including people with disabilities in the supply chain. We are the only certifying body, excuse me, body for disability-owned business enterprises, and we've been very proud of that. That's a very young program for us. We learned a lot from WeBank and um, the NGLCC, who are both very generous in helping us understand how they do the certifying for their um, businesses. And from that, we we were able to to create our um, supplier diversity program. It's been a really a huge adventure for the USBLN to continue down this path of really focusing on the business case for including people with disabilities in your in your business strategies. We have this great annual conference um, every year. Um, Joyce was just at our, our conference in Orlando earlier this month where we really focus on businesses talking to businesses about what they've done, what they've experienced. And it's not a conference about all of the answers. It's a conference about the questions, too. How did how did you do this or how did you face that? Here's what we've done. What have you done? It's, it's a wonderful opportunity to truly have that peer-to-peer conversation about bringing people with disabilities into um, the economic engine. I think that the um, the, the USBLN is, is the prime example of how to help American business continue down this path of learning um, the gifts that people with disabilities can provide you across all dimensions that you have business strategy. Um, the USBLN also has affiliates across the U.S. and Canada where um, business can look at these issues and, and these kinds of questions at a more local level, uh, and we're really excited about our affiliates and helping them continue to serve business at that level. And at, at the USBLN, we continue to do it from a national perspective. 
And I just want to tell you, I, as Deb said, I was at that conference, and it was really great. It was just a great conference. And for anyone listening to the show, how do they get involved? Well, you know, as, as any, any entity that exists in America today, we've got our website, which is www.usbln.org. Um, or you can just Google or use whatever search engine you do to um, look for the United States Business Leadership Network. Our biggest uh, opportunity for companies to interact with us is at the conference. However, throughout the year, we also have smaller events, webinars. Um, our affiliates put on conferences. Those sorts of things occur as well where companies can engage with us. We've um, started doing some technical assistance calls, which uh, has been a lot of fun for me. It's where you can get a few businesses onto the phone talking to each other about the same issue, and you've got different levels of experience and success with particular topics, and everybody's there to help each other and to learn from each other and see where things are working and where things aren't working and, and be able to take that perspective back within your own company to improve things. So the, the USBLN is a great opportunity for any company that's interested in learning about this or is already doing this and wants to share more of their practices um, with other companies out there. We're all very hungry to um, borrow from each other and to share with each other, and it's, it's a great, very collegial um, atmosphere. So hop on our website. Um, feel free to contact me. Joyce, I know you can be a resource um, connecting people with the USBLN as well. It is um, the premier group for really continuing to um, move this dialogue forward in America. Yes, and the only way you can learn is by getting involved with other people doing this successfully. And as Deb said, they may not have all the answers, but you can share best practices. And that, to me, is what it is all about. So here we go. We have a question from Alinda in Minnesota, and that is, uh, Ms. Russell, it's wonderful what you're doing. Um, do you believe there was a role model that impacted you in your life to do all of this, paying it forward? Oh, wow. Um, I I can't really think of a role model. That's, that's a very disappointing thing to say. I know you're always supposed to come up with one. Um, I had a grandmother that just didn't say no to anything, um, and I think I caught that fever from her. And she was someone who, um, you know, did a lot of philanthropy activities and, and really believed in, in helping to fight um, for social justice. So I think I caught that from her. But um, specific to the disability world, I'd have to attribute um, – role models, you know, like Andy Imperato, people like that who were very um, out about their mental illness and and were very incredibly successful in this space. That's, uh, you know, he's somebody definitely that I've looked up to and wanted to aspire to um, be able to contribute and give back as much as that. So I think um, I'd have to list those two individuals as, as role models for me. You know what? I have a question for you, and that is, for people with psychiatric disabilities listening to the show right now, do you have any advice, for example, for young people who are having a hard time gaining employment? Uh, I can just speak from what my experience has been, and, and, and that is that um, talking about uh, mental illness was not something that I did for a very long time. I worked in the mental health field and never revealed what I was going through or what I was experiencing or, or managing and um but being associated with disability especially in corporate america um countless coworkers and colleagues 
um, come up to me, and it's almost like a confessional. Uh, I just want you to know I have this, and then blank, fill in your blank there. Uh, it's always something, obviously, that you can't see. And um, I just encourage people to be more open about it. It's It's hard to... Just come out and say, I'm a person with a mental illness and raise your hand. There's a lot of stigma around mental illness in America, and that's not going to go away anytime real soon. But the more of us who are successful and, and capable, you know, to describe this and to help people understand what it is that we do need to be successful um, during the day and that it's not um, something that's really big and scary to be asking for, I think that that's a big challenge. But um, I also realize the reality of, of um, the workplace right now, and that is that uh, a lot of people are encouraged to to hide their disabilities, and that's that's a shame because um, it's just a, di- a dimension of our lives that we bring, just like all the rest of the experiences we've all had that we bring to our workplace, and and um, our companies can truly benefit from all of our experiences and the diversity that we bring. So I encourage people to be open, but at the same time to have a little bit of caution. Uh, America's not quite ready for this, and that's that's just heartbreaking to me. Uh, it's been it's been a struggle for me to be very out about this, um, and I've had to get the counsel from a lot of individuals who are very forthright with their disability, like you are, Joyce. It's it's just um, something that for so long you're taught not to talk about um, and not to reveal, and um, to go through that doorway and, and be open about it. Uh, is is uh, scary, but very rewarding. And um, already, I've had a coworker come up to me and say, "Well, now that I, you know, I saw you go through that disclosure and, and be open about this, and so I've been starting to engage in conversations with my manager to make sure that I can get what I need when I need it um, to be successful in my job." And so I hope that through time, especially for young people who are, um, you know, just getting diagnosed or have um, been newly diagnosed or or been struggling with this for a while. I hope that America continues to evolve and realize that um, this is not something that's so terrifying and stigmatizing. It's just another part of who you are and what you manage every day. And it's a very, the more people I talk to, the more common I realize that it is um, that people face this and and manage it and and move forward with it. So I, I hope that America will change quickly, much more quickly than they have on some other fronts related to disability. Yeah. And I would say one of the things that uh, Deb talked about is, you know, number one, not being ashamed, you know, not being thinking you have to conceal everything. As she said, if I'm, if you're going for a job interview, absolutely, according to the ADA anyway, you should never disclose the disability. And even when you gain employment, if you feel uncomfortable because of people around you that would discriminate, I certainly understand that. But I would hope the day will come that it won't be like that. I know that many people with epilepsy do not want to disclose because of the stigma that is attached. But you know what? I don't care. (laughs) It doesn't bother me that I have epilepsy. That's just part of who I am. And whenever you get that feeling, remember, you believing in yourself is absolutely so important. And you know, you can go, just like I go to a neurologist to get medication. You can go get medication. You can go to a therapist. You know, these are all accommodations that will help you. But whatever you do, don't give up. Don't do that. Don't give up because look at Deb. She can be your role model. Look how successful she is. So you know there is opportunity out there, but you've got to start by believing in who you are. So, Deb, these last two questions, I have asked everyone who's been on the show for the past 
uh, nine years. And by the way, I want to remind everyone one more time, next week, Valerie Jarrett. Don't forget about that. Uh, but the question is, Deb, you have already obviously accomplished so much in your life. What would you consider your greatest accomplishment? I think my greatest accomplishment um, is moments like right now where I can continue to help, hopefully, help the country change the conversation from talking about employment for people with disabilities as a charitable act and as a nice-to-have and as a an add-on to um, changing that conversation to always be about the expectation that people with disabilities, when they exit school, are going to get jobs. And when you go through an experience with a disability and, and come out on the other side of recovery, that you're then going to rejoin the workforce, that this expectation of work and disability go hand-in-hand hand together. Um, I want... Uh, policymakers and other companies and influential people in our country to continue to push towards that conversation and making sure that we are not doing this because we want to fill people with hope and have aspiration like that, but because this is a, an economic reality for our country. As we continue to move on through life, we need to make sure that we can employ people with disabilities, that we can accommodate them in the workplace, and that we're including them in everything that we do because it is such a large segment of our population. And um, so I, my, my greatest accomplishment is just the, the ability to be able to continue this conversation, keep it on people's radar screen, and, and always uh, you know, inject a little hope into that and say that we're, we're going to keep moving this, this forward and we're going to keep pushing um, you know, we're just not happy being in the margins of society anymore. We want to be in the forefront and just a part of it. Not special, not different, just a part of all of it. Amen. That is so true. So, Deb, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Uh, I encourage everybody to challenge assumptions, assumptions you have yourself as well as assumptions you hear from others that people with disabilities are less capable than others. I, 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 I encourage you to challenge those assumptions, to, to look at your own biases and, and admit them and, and work forward on them. People with disabilities are different, but not less. They are, um, everybody's different. Uh, it's, it's truly an adventure to go to Anderson, South Carolina, where our distribution center has about 42% of the workforce are people with disabilities. And they've been doing this for almost six years now. When you're down there, your disability is as about important as your hair color or your height or whatever shoes you're wearing that day. It's just another piece of you. Um, it's not something people ignore, and it's not people spend a lot, people don't spend a lot of time focusing on it either. It's just part of who you are and what you are. And that um, I, I hope someday that all of America is like that, where disability isn't this huge differentiator and um, doesn't need so much dialogue like we're doing right now, Joyce. Someday I hope that this isn't necessary. I hope that we are... Um, you know, that the listeners and everybody else are able to continue to challenge those assumptions and, and move our country forward. Yes, I thought a long time ago when I started that I would be in other parts of the world doing this, but sadly I'm not. So I hope that happens, too, in the not-too-distant future. But anyway, first, Deb, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, this is my pleasure. Thank you, Joyce, for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And we end every show with a quote from someone making a difference in the lives of all or in the lives of people with disabilities. And the quote today is, we constantly remind everyone that as a business, 
We are not a charity. We are not a charity. Again, we are a business, says Randy Lewis from Walgreen. And isn't that what it's all about? Businesses getting a return on investment. You have been listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, Voice America.